You're listening to the Hello Awesome Podcast, and this is episode number 128. I cannot believe that we have made it to 130 episodes of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. So what does a police officer, a notebook, and a church parking lot have in common? They are all part of Stephanie Crane's powerful testimony about prayer, deliverance, and identity. Welcome back to season eight of the Hello Awesome podcast, friends. Today, I am sharing with you another conversation that goes along the season's theme, fruitful. Struggling after a divorce and desperate for answers, Officer Stephanie finds herself in the middle of the night alone, except for her thoughts in a journal. Then God proved he heard her every word. Before we jump in, I am giving these testimony episodes a parental advisory warning due to their content, so please put on some earbuds if you have to and use your discernment respectfully. Okay, thank you guys for being here, and I hope that the Lord will bless you as you listen to this mind-blowing story of salvation. Here we go, guys. This is episode number 128 that I am calling Unbecoming with Stephanie Crane. Hey guys, I'm JC. Are you ready for real conversations about faith, business, and life? Me too. This is the Hello Awesome podcast, where I bring forth topics and truthful insights that will encourage you to make intentional choices and pursue God with your whole heart. Are you ready to say hello to the awesome blessings that God has for you? All right, let's do this. As you know, every season I have wonderful friends that are willing to bless you with some deals, and this season is no different. Back again to sponsor the podcast is our good friends over at Nuggles. If you are looking for stylish yet comfortable modest clothes this season, Nuggles has the best items to add to your closet at an affordable price. Just use our special code HelloAwesome10 for 10% off at Nuggles.us. That's N-U-G-G-L-E-S dot U-S and upgrade your modesty game right now. It's hard to know what products are toxic for your skin these days, right? But shopping with Oneness Essentials, you won't have to worry about anything except how to not be completely obsessed. Like with their luscious lotion sticks, creamy body butter, and handmade cold-pressed soaps available in so many scents. Never worry about dry skin again Use code HELLO8 for 15% off your order at onenesssoapbiz.com. That's O-N-E-N-E-S-S-S-O-A-P-B-I-Z.com today. Kaylee is a modest shop for athletic apostolics and the daily go-getter. With quality stretchy skirts and dresses, Kaylee has what you need to make your wardrobe more versatile. Use code HelloAwesome15 for 15% off your order on their website, Kaylee.com. That's K-H-A-Y-E-L-Y.com. And check out their wide selection today. Listen, I love being artsy. You should know that. But my handwriting kind of isn't the best. Thankfully, we have the Graceful Pen, a place for joyfully handmade stationery and gifts to uplift inspire and encourage table cards invitations gift tags and envelope calligraphy are just some of their beautiful services i truly think the graceful pen is doing something so 
wonderful and I hope you will take advantage of using our code SOHAP22 for 5% off your custom calligraphy service this season. Our last sponsor of the Hello Awesome podcast is truly changing lives while also nourishing our skin with a spa-like quality. Delish Lips offers organic skincare with aromatherapy while donating 100% of their proceeds to World Missions. Shop this unique but powerful ministry by going to delishlipsnaturalbeauty.com and consider the change you are contributing to all around the world in the name of Jesus. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hello Awesome Podcast. JC here with another guest. I am so excited to have Stephanie here with me. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I don't take it lightly and I'm really excited to dive into what God has done in your life. And before we get started, can you please just share a little bit about who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So my name is Stephanie Crane. I'm from Texas. I am a 401k payment specialist. I actually was a police officer for a very, very long time and just turned in my badge a couple of years ago. And I have four amazing children. My oldest actually just got married. So that was pretty exciting. And then I have a 15-year-old son. And then I have a four-year-old son and an almost two-year-old son. There are so many stories already in what you just shared with me. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I mean, ex-cop, we will be talking about that. Uh, yes, because, that's a part of my testimony. <laughs> yes. In the beginning, when I was reading some of your testimony, you shared on Facebook, and this has happened to me a couple times, is where you're like these testimonies have gone viral, and then they come across so many people's, you know, phones and and it's just crazy how it's been blowing up. And I, I read yours and then you shared a little bit in, in a private message. Uh, we got to talking before recording this and my mind was like blown. I was like to my husband, I'm like, babe, she was the next cop. Babe, can you believe this? It was just like, it was amazing. So I knew I had to talk to you for obviously multiple reasons. Um, God has just done just a powerful work in your life. And absolutely. I would love it if you would just kind of talk a little bit about, I know this is like a big question, but what was your life like before God met you? Oh my goodness. Oh, it was just broken. It was dark. It was lonely. Um, I wasn't raised in church. I wasn't even raised in a, a home based off of faith. Now I was raised by good people. Don't get me wrong. I mean, people that would give the shirt off their back to anybody but we didn't have a Bible. We didn't go to church. We didn't say grace. We didn't do any of those things. The only time I ever went to church growing up was when the local Baptist church would send their little bus ministry through my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I never actually even knew when they were coming. Like I would just have to get dressed and sit there on the porch and wait. And if they showed up, I went, if they didn't, then I just went out and rode my bike. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I was not raised in any of this. I mean, we, I was raised very Southern bill. You know, I did, I don't think I'm pretty sure I was a teenager before I ever seen my mom without a full face of makeup. Like we were raised to have your face on, you know, be ready for the day before anybody's seen you. Like it was just, you know, it's very normal for me, you know, very worldly. And so I had, 
I actually got divorced in uh, 2014 uh, from my oldest two children's father. And just, I was, I spent all this time, we had been together since high school. And at this point, that was like 13 years, um, we had divorced. And, you know, here I was in my 30s and completely had no idea who I was. I mean, mm-hmm. I just had no idea who my, what my identity was. Because for so many years, I had spent so much time just picking up different pieces from other influences in my life to create my identity. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know who I was anymore. Like I had become a mixture of all these people and I just, I could feel it. I could feel like it wasn't me. I was very lonely. Um, It was just a very, very dark world, very dark world for me. Um, I journaled a lot and I still do. Mm -hmm. And that was what I didn't realize was that was kind of my time talking to God and I wasn't even trying. So uh, just to kind of not spend too much time on that, but so I worked night shift patrol for my local sheriff's office. I worked from 6 p.m. to 6 in the morning and usually about three, four o'clock in the morning after we got all our reports done, you know, the city is sleeping. So I would get close to my home, but within my jurisdiction, that way if something happened, I could still get to a call, but Mm -hmm. come six o'clock, I could be in my driveway. Well, there was a little church off the side of the road and usually about four, four 30 in the morning, I would go sit in that parking lot. I would take my journal and I would just write because that was the only way I can get all these things out. Like my mind was just always just so cluttered with all these thoughts and all these things. So I would just write it. Uh, If I put it to paper, I could get it out and I could actually sleep. You know, I mean, it was just so much in my mind. So this went on for probably a good year. So this was about 2015. um, And every day, every night or every morning, I was there in that parking lot and I was writing out, just writing out. And eventually it got to the place where I I did end up making it into like a prayer journal because my, my journal become, dear God, help me. You know, I feel all these things and I don't feel, I was feeling so much and not feeling anything at all. Like I knew I was missing something. So um, I'm going to fast forward to around January of 2016. Um, I was at our office. I was finishing up a report I had just taken. And my partner, I knew he had had a ride along that day. And I really thought it was probably one of our dispatchers. So he, I heard him pull up at the office and he come walking in into where I was doing the computer on the computer. And this man walks in with him. And this is so funny. And to, to hear him tell the story is even funnier. So he walks in and I, I jumped up out of my chair, full uniform. Okay. And I'm like charging at this guy. And I was like, oh my goodness, what are you doing here? And as I get right up on him to give him a hug, it hits me that I've never seen this man in my life. Like wow. never, like just that quick. But for those couple of seconds, this was someone I swear I knew. So it kind of caught him off guard and, you know, he's, you know, introduced himself and, you know, he went on to the restroom and I was so embarrassed. I was grabbing all my stuff, left my report undone. And I told him partner, I was like, I'm going to go like that. That was too much for me. Like I've got to go, I'm going to go do some traffic or something. So before I got a chance to leave, this man had come back in and, uh, it turns out he was a preacher and, you know, we started talking and, you know, I'm sitting there with my bleach blonde hair and my hot 
paint fingernails, just got through smoking a cigarette, like, you know, just my nose was pierced, you know, all those things. Like I was mm-hmm. from the world and we're sitting there talking and, you know, it just dawned on me. I was like, you know, I've been praying for this. I've been asking for God to send me a sign, you know, cause I didn't know Jesus. I didn't, I didn't, uh, there's so many things I didn't know that I know now. It just, it's kind of crazy, but how all that worked sure. out. Mm-hmm. I just knew I was talking to something, you know, I didn't know all the details. I've never read the Bible, but I knew that this is something that God was putting in front of me. So we started talking and, you know, he invited me to church and he told me that, you know, they, they had a pinnacle. He was a Pentecostal preacher. And I didn't know much about Pentecost, but I knew enough to know that I definitely was not that. That was definitely not me. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I kind of yeah. laughed and I was like, oh, it's like, I don't know about that. I was like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not Pentecostal. He's like, I don't care what you are. He's like, just come, just come to my church. And I was like, okay, well, th- I'll think about it, <laughs> you know, cause I was like, oh, it's a little bit too much. So, um, we, I ended up going to, and this is, this is kind of funny because at this time my oldest daughter was 14. So we, I made the decision. I was going to be off that Sunday. I was like, okay, we're going to go to church. I just, I, I knew I needed to be there. So we went to Target to go, you know, an outfit girl. <laughs> we mm. bought dresses, we bought dresses, but it looked like we was going to the club. Not even going to lie. <laughs> we I did not know all of the different things. Right. I, right. So, <laughs> I thought I was doing good by wearing a dress. Not, it was not modest by no means. Um, but we went to, we went to the church and I'm telling you, when I walked into those doors, I felt like I was home. I just felt like I was home. I can't explain it. And it was just, it was completely overwhelming and it was everything I could possibly need. And, um, you know, just to make a long story short, come to find out. Okay. So that was Bishop Ken Smith from Tarkington. Um, he is a uh, bishop for the church that cares there in Tarkington, Prairie, Texas. And he, that was his first night when we met, that was his first night as our chaplain for the sheriff's office. And we, okay. So, you know, I told you about that church I was going to park in, right. That I was mm-hmm. sitting there for about a year re- writing into my journal every night, every morning. Yeah. Well, turns out that's the church that he is the bishop at. So I probably should have led with that. (laughs) Anyway, that's um, a good truth bomb right there. (laughs) Oh, I'm telling you, it was crazy. So of course, you know, when I figured out what church they're going to, I was like, oh, I'm very familiar with that. Like I literally am there um, every morning, like I I write in my journal. Well, what I was going to say was for that entire year where I was sitting there in that parking lot, pouring out my heart, he was waking up at about four o'clock in the morning with such a strong burden for our sheriff's office, which is why he ended up becoming a chaplain. And then that first night on duty, he met me, a cop that had been sitting in the parking lot during those same hours that he was getting woke up by God with the burden for the sheriff's office. Like how amazing is that? Yeah. So I just knew that God was in the middle of all of that. So I had just started dating who is now, he's now my husband. Today's actually his birthday. Um, I had just started dating um, Ryan in January of 2016. And, um, you know, he was a great guy, but we never talked about church and stuff like that. And uh, I was really starting to 
feel like I was finding my place. Like I'm, this, this church is amazing. Um, they never made me feel bad about any, like just being myself. Like I still wear my makeup and I still had my hair dyed and I, you know, all those things. They never once tried to make me feel like I was, shouldn't be like that. Cause I had made up my mind that I was, I could find God and I could have a relationship with God without changing. Like mm-hmm. I had made up my mind, like I'm not changing. Like I am who I am. Yeah. And, um, Anyway, so I was actually kind of embarrassed to even tell my new boyfriend at the time that I was going to Pentecostal church. And um, so he started asking me some questions about, you know, what church are you going to? And I was like, oh, it's just this little church and, you know, Tarkington, no big deal. And he was like, is, is that the Smith's church? And I'm like, yeah, like, how do you know that? So he was actually in North Dakota working out of town. So uh, most of our relationship started by with phone conversations, even though we knew each other, we just spent a lot of time getting each other, getting to know each other over the phone. So um, he was like, yeah, he's like, I was raised, I was raised Pentecostal. He's like, my family is actually still in church. He said, I've been backslid for, you know, several years, but I'm, I'm, that's where I'm going to go back eventually, you know? Wow. So um, it was just kind of crazy. Um, he ended up coming home. So this was all like January of 2016. He came home for his cousin's wedding in March. And then he invited me to his church um, that Sunday. And the Sunday before that, I had actually gotten baptized at my church, but I didn't receive the Holy Ghost. So when I went to Ryan's church that following Sunday, um, he actually prayed back through and I got the Holy Ghost in his church. And after that was when God really started working on me. Like at this point, up to this point, it was like, I was connecting all the dots. I was like, okay, well, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Like this all makes sense, you know, cause I was the kind of person who I believed in the universe. I believed in the signs. I believed in all those kinds of things. Mm. Not once thinking about it being a God that was controlling everything and controlling our destiny. I just had this whole worldly idea of how that worked. You know, I didn't even understand the concept of just a one God. Like it was just nuts to think about what I thought before and then to know truth today. Like it was just, I was so confused. The confusion is when I think about the way I used to think it blows my mind. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. just, it was just so much. But yeah, so in March of 2016, he prayed back through, I got the Holy Ghost. And then from there, it just, it didn't take long. It didn't take long for God to start working and moving. And, you know, I was a very, very vain person. Mm -hmm. I was the kind of person that um, I, my, I couldn't wait to walk into the door of a bar or a club or going out with my friends or whatever, because I wanted to see everyone's head turn to look at me. That yeah. was my goal for the day. Like when I put my makeup on and I got dressed and I got all dolled up, that was my goal to get attention. That was mm-hmm. what I wanted. Um, so that was one of the, probably the biggest things that God broke for me was taking away that vanity. And I right. mean, it's just, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Yeah. Yeah, well, I noticed um, in one of the testimonies that I saw that you posted, it was about your modest journey and how obviously that was a huge step for you, which I think is for many of us ladies who come into the church, we have to really decide, is this going to be a problem for us? Uh, right. Who, who are we following? And I remember reading your words and just resonating so much and relating to them because it is so true. A lot of what we were taught 
without even realizing it is that how we dress, how we act in the world is usually for attention. And exactly. I wanted to know, like, what were the different steps um, that you had to take in order to get to where you are now? I know it, it was a journey, but what were some of the steps that you remember taking um, towards that, like, modesty and, and towards who God was calling you to be? Right. So for me, and this is something that I, because I get asked that question a lot, especially people who are wanting to know, you know, they know who I was before and who I am now. And there's such a huge change. Um, I can tell you that it had nothing to do with a pastor telling me what I was supposed to do and what I wasn't supposed to do. It had nothing to do with the church telling me what I was supposed to do and not supposed to do. And it honestly had nothing to do with scripture either. I sought God. I sought out what God wanted for me. I asked him to show me his identity that he created for me. I wanted to know Mm -hmm. who I was in his eyes, because for me, it was never, it's, it's never been about religion. It's never been about rules and standards and all this kind of stuff. It's always been about relationship. I fell so in love with Jesus. I fell so in love with him and his promises and so in awe of him that that was, that was the one relationship that I gave everything to. And when you get to that place and you have that relationship, it's so much easier to, you know, we, we can pray all day, but we have to listen to, and that was where I was at. I was like, you know, show me, show me who I am in your eyes. And, you know, it just, you know, that just kind of began to resonate in me. And I remember one Sunday I was walking in from church. I was walking up to my apartment and I caught my shadow. I could see my shadow and I was wearing a dress and you could see like the dress just kind of blowing in the shadow. And I just heard that sweet, still small voice whisper, dress like a lady, just dress like a lady. And that, that did it for me, you know? And, you know, I just, it, it was that moment when I was like, you know what? I am the daughter of a King. I have a complete new identity. I have been made new in Jesus Christ's name. And it is my job to represent him, my father. I need to talk like it, walk like it and dress like it. So for me, it would just become this, this thing where it was like, I'm, if my father is a king, then I'm a princess. So I need to act like a princess. And that was just, I know that's kind of um, uh, juvenile to think, but honestly, that was the thing for me because it just grabbing a hold to like, just, and the thing is I was so, my identity was so confusing because for so many years I had picked up all these pieces from the world, you know, whatever the world said, whatever Hollywood said, whatever, whatever the, the newest fads were like, that's what I picked up. I was becoming what I thought the world needed me to be. So, you know, I had to completely just let my identity shatter and let God build me into what I was intended to be in the first place. So for me, it was, it was more about unbecoming everything. It wasn't about becoming something. It was unbecoming everything that I had made myself into be. So, um, probably one of the first things, you know, the dress, like I told you, the dress thing that was all of a sudden it was like, I was very, very convicted wearing pants. And I was the police officer and had to wear pants. That's part of my uniform. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, you know, I would go to work in my uniform and I was fine in my uniform. I didn't feel convicted when I was, you know, on patrol. I was doing my job. I was wearing the suit of armor I needed for my job. Um, but after, but other than that, I wasn't going to the store. I wasn't going in public wearing pants. I felt exposed. I would wear a dress. I would wear a skirt. I would dress modestly. I would cover myself up. Um, and then I can, can continue to wear makeup. I still I had just spent like 150 bucks on getting my hair freshly highlighted and trimmed and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, I started noticing that my jewelry started just feeling very heavy. I remember putting on my favorite necklace and I felt like I was wearing a door wreath. <laughs> I'm not even kidding you. I was, it yeah. just felt, I've become very aware of my jewelry and I put it down and never put it back on. Like it just was, it, I never thought about it again. And this is funny because I would match my outfits and I'd have make sure that my earrings matched and my bracelets matched and my necklaces matched and everything matched. And all of a sudden I wasn't wearing any of those things. Um, and then I remember, you know, I had been wearing makeup since I was a teenager and I'd worn my makeup the same way. And I had just fixed my face and was getting ready to leave. And I looked in the mirror and you know, those, um, apps that you can download where you can like make yourself look old. Yeah. Okay. So Mm -hmm. I looked in the mirror and that's what I saw. All of a sudden I could see the makeup just caked inside all the little fine lines and wrinkles around my face. And I just become so aware of the mask that I was putting on. Like I was literally putting on a mask every day. So I sat there and I scrubbed my face raw, trying to get the makeup off my face because it just, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it anymore. I couldn't stand the way it felt. I couldn't stand the smell. I didn't like the way it looked and I never put it back on. I mean, and that was a hard thing for me because that was something I was raised. I mean, you, you put on your face right. and I had really horrible skin because I didn't take care of it. I mean, you're talking about, you know, years and years of, you know, smoking and being in nasty bars and coming home intoxicated and going to sleep without washing your face. And I mean, just horrible skin. Um, so that was one of those things where I felt like I needed makeup because I needed to hide. I needed to hide that bad skin. Um, and then I, like I told you, I just gotten my hair freshly dyed. It was bright blonde. And all of a sudden, I'm, it looks yellow to me. It looked like I had clown hair. And I started wearing a baseball hat everywhere I went. And everybody's like, your hair looks fine. Your hair looks normal. I don't know what you're seeing. And I was like, y'all, I'm telling you, my hair looks horrible. So two weeks later, after spending all that money, I went to Walgreens and bought some hair dye the closest to my natural color, which I honestly didn't even know what my natural color was because I kept it dyed for so many years. And I dyed it, dyed it dark because I'm naturally dark haired. And um, that was it. Like never once struggled with wanting to cut my hair, with wanting to dye it. And it's just, it's just crazy how God just moved. And it was never about scripture. It was never something I really had to seek out, you know, as far as, you know, not cutting my hair you know, one of the things that I've explained to people too, and there's so much scripture to back all these things up that we believe in. But for me, here's the thing. You can't tell me what to do. I am so rebellious. Like (laughs) you tell me I can't do something. I'm fixing to show you I can do it and I can do it really good. Like that's just how I've always been. And God knew that God knew that he could not bring someone into my life and try to tell me how to act. Only he could do that. And I'm so grateful for him that he took the time to personalize my path because he knew my needs. He knew what was going to get me and what wasn't. 
So everything, all my convictions come straight from him, even with not cutting my hair. And the best way that I can explain that to people, because that's something that, you know, people ask about all the time too. um, It's like having car insurance and, you know, being a police officer, this is something I would see all the time. Um, You, if you, so we have this car insurance, I've been paying, you know, almost 200 bucks a month for 10 years for car insurance, never had to use it, never gotten it pulled over. I've never, you know, had gotten into an accident. So if I was to say, you know what, I don't even need it. Like I know I'm supposed to have it, but I don't need it. I'm just going to cancel my insurance. The first thing that would happen when I got in my car the next day was either a, I would end up in an accident or I would get pulled over and not have insurance. Like that's just how it goes. And I feel like that when it comes to my hair, I feel like if I, I feel like I have an insurance policy with my uncut hair, because I believe that there is protection there. I believe that it protects my family. I believe that it protects me. I believe that it helps, you know, the spiritual world to know that I'm under authority. Um, I've submitted to what I know God wants me to do. And, you know, it, it's not about what it looks like. It's not about split ends. It's not about, you know, how long it is. It's about the fact that it's obedience. And I feel like God honors that tremendously. And if I was to go and cut off a couple of inches tomorrow, I know something would happen. And I would be like, oh, that was my fault because I just ruined my hedge of protection. And there are so many scriptures, you know, when it comes to the hair and stuff like that. But again, like I said, for me, you know, God knows that he's got to deal with me a little different. He's, and he does. And he handles me with so much care and just, and it's, it's almost comical. Cause it's like, I just, I feel, I feel like he spools me a little bit trying to make sure that I understand things and understand him. And I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, that's awesome. I love hearing that because God is in the business of changing hearts. And sometimes we right. put that last, like we think it has to be so like clinical or so like surgically done, you know what I mean? Like everything has to be like type A, like you got to read the scripture, you got to do the Bible studies, you got to do, and all those things are great. Of course, read your Bible, fast, pray, all of those things, but nothing is going to compare to actually you talking with God and having that personal relationship with God because that's, that's where that change of heart is going to come from. And I, I really enjoy, um, hearing that and it's it's such a beautiful part of your story because nobody did it for you you know right. what I mean nothing else happens nobody forced you it wasn't it wasn't somebody over the pulpit beating you with the word it's not like exactly you know it's exactly. not some it's not some church lady you know gossiping about you I mean I'm sure that did happen but you know what I'm saying it's not like right. somebody coming up to you in church and being like you know what you need to do <laughs> exactly it's yeah like, because no, if that would have happened working. I never would have went back <laughs> exactly you know when you look at now like some of the young ladies in the church and we know we all struggle nobody is above struggling every single person struggles with something especially if you're female and you're in the church you're going to struggle somewhat with modesty if not now maybe in the future it could be a point of contention in a a friendship of yours it could just be a trial that you're going through or a temptation you know whatever and I I wanted to know like uh why do you believe that we have young ladies in the church who do struggle with their modesty knowing what you know do you think that we are influenced a lot by the world in the church or like we can't help but look to them or look out of the church, I guess, for inspiration, if that makes sense. 
No, it makes perfect sense. So I, what I believe and that, I mean, I feel, I feel this all the time, especially, you know, considering I, I just brought up a, a teenager, you know, mm-hmm. who came out of the world completely. I mean, she was a cheerleader. She played volleyball, she played basketball. I mean, she did all those things. Um, and we started coming into church right about her when she started high school. And, you know, I never pushed, never, I never pushed her. Like I started making my own transitions and that was for me. This was for me. And I was not going to put that on anyone else. Um, and she just came home one day and was like, you know what? I, um, I don't feel comfortable in my uniform anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. And she just completely submitted on her own. She completely walked away from it. Um, and for four years, um, you're, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year she was modest she Mm -hmm. lived the apostolic life she dressed modestly she didn't wear makeup she didn't do all those things she became a huge influence in her school and she went to public school so here's something for you okay so because we do get a lot of influence from the world but all four of those years she got best dressed in a public school as an apostolic female She was able to, she won several people to the Lord. Um, She actually become a trendsetter within the church and girl, I mean, within the school and girls are starting to dress like her, not even really knowing why, but because they saw something and it was attractive to them because they were coming from the world. The world was, you know, doing all, showing all these things and you got to look like this and dress like this and all this kind of stuff. And then here's this classy girl who's different and people got wind of that. Like they were like, you know what, this, I like this more. Um, So I just wanted to kind of, you know, mention that. And then, you know, I think, you know, for, for me and you, you know, we weren't born in the church. We come from the world. So we know that the world, we know what the world had to offer. We dabbled in it all. We played in it. We, we, we've, we've been there. We've done that. And it was nothing. It was nothing compared to the relationship we have with Jesus. It was nothing. I've been drunk. I've been high. I've been all those things, but nothing compares to being drunk in the Holy ghost. I've had every kind of relationship you could think of, but nothing compares to relationship that I have with Christ. We've gotten to experience that. I think that there are so many young women and girls that are in the church there. They don't know. They don't know the world. It's been this like, oh, don't look that way. Don't look over there. They've been raised in this. They've been raised in this environment and they've been told we don't do this. We don't do that. We do this and we do that. And they haven't had a chance to fully catch it for themselves like we did. We, we got to the place where we were so broken we were desperate. We hit rock bottom. We were in the valley. We had tried everything else. The, I, I know I did. I mean, I had done everything I could possibly think of to fill the void in the way that the world had taught me to do it. Nothing was fixing me. Nothing came close. So for me, it was a last resort to turn to Christ. And that's sad because that's really what happens with a lot of people. Like you would think that that would be the first place you would go to. And when you know Christ, it does become the first place you go to. I mean, the, when you wake up in the morning, the first thing you want to do is have your talk with him. You want to spend time in his presence because you know what you're going to get out of that. Well, when you've never experienced that, you don't know what you're missing. So it becomes a last resort for us. And we get a chance to experience him on a level that so many people who are raised in the church have never gotten to experience yet. 
you know, they've been kept. The Lord has kept them and protected them from experiencing the things that we were smack dab in the middle of. You know, God brought us from those things. And we have so many ladies in the church that were kept from them. So it's like you're just dangling this nice and shiny little thing in their face saying, oh, you can't touch that. You can't touch that. I know it looks great, but you can't touch it. And it just, it, it creates an insecurity. And I feel like that is probably one of the biggest things that so many of my friends that I know, you know, that, you know, I've spoken with, you know, in the church, we are getting hit with this insecure spirit. And it's, I mean, it's just horrible, you know, because the thing is like, we're flesh, we're flesh, you know, Paul taught us, I mean, even he, he himself, chief of all sinners has to die out daily. We have to do that. We have to die out daily because our flesh is going to want the things that we're not supposed to have. Our flesh is going to want the things that are not good for us spiritually. And I think that's just our human nature. And I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, they, you have to find your identity through his eyes. Not what your mama said you're supposed to do, not what your grandma said you're supposed to do, not what the pastor's telling you you're supposed to do. You are going to have to find him and find your identity. Like what, who are you to him? Spend some time with him. Listen to what he's trying to tell you. Cause we, so many times we go into prayer and we're just pouring our hearts out and we're like, okay, thanks. And then we get up and go. We never stop to listen. We never stop to actually be counseled. And I think that that is where a lot of girls are going to find that their truth is letting Christ actually counsel them when they're feeling these things and not just trying to figure it out on their own. You know, would they, even someone who's been in church all their life, there's people that still, they have not fallen in love with Jesus. They've been just doing them, going through the motions. They've just been there. They're in church every time. they're, They're just doing the things that they were taught to do. And not having a chance to truly fall in love with him and to know what his promises are. And, you know, like I said earlier, and to know that his plans are so much greater than any of our plans that we could ever create. I'm telling you, I've been there. I've done that. Stephanie's plan does not work at all. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And a lot of it, you know, like when you were talking, I just kept thinking of this FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. And it's easy when you are on one side of the fence to see the other side and think that the grass is always greener. And this is something that we've talked about for many things, you know, as far as comparison, being the thief of joy. But it's really just like you fear like you're missing out on something. And it's almost like without ever saying it, it's almost like a thought of, oh, God is keeping something good from me. And if we think of the last person who did that, as far as like, not the last person, but probably the first person that was Eve, you know, right? like God is keeping something from me. And obviously Eve's plan didn't work out very well. And thank you to Eve. She ruined it for for the rest of us. But, (laughs) but, you know, this, all these Bible stories, all of these, you know, sermons, going to church, this whole thing, it's not for nothing. It's for a reason. And I think sometimes, too, I, I have a feeling that um, we almost want to complicate the uncomplicated. And, right. it's, and it's like sometimes I think that we always maybe feel like like it has to be uh, it has to be a little bit more of a, of a struggle than it really is as far as like, 
how God helps us, how he uh, moves on us. You know, we always say to pray, read the Bible, go to church. And you hear that so much. It's easy to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know. But what else? But what else? But what else? And it's like, no, why don't you start with those? Because I think we have to commit ourselves to those basics first, like go back to the basics. And when you go back to those basics of truth, of biblical truth, of what, what does it even mean to be a believer? What, it, what does it mean to love God or have uh, the awareness of how much God loves you? That is going to set that foundation. And I think no matter what any of us is, whatever we are struggling with, especially if you're a young person struggling with modesty, it usually means that there is a fracture in the foundation of your faith somewhere. Right. And so like you were saying, it is definitely important for us to um, fall in love with Jesus and focus on just falling in love with him and, and knowing who he is, he's going to show us who we are supposed to be. Not so that we can do it on our own because that's never going to happen, but just to trust that he does love us and he does have a plan for us. And modesty is one of those things that I know everybody has their own conviction. Everybody has their own way of thinking, you know, that modesty should be their own definition. But when you are connected to the father, when you're connected to God, then you're connected to the same spirit that should be working in all of us. And so we should all be on the same page that his truth does not contradict each other. His truth exactly. does not change. And so as long as you have uh, his love working in you, um, that's going to help you in your struggles. And it is possible to have deliverance from those struggles. And it is possible to, to get, get to a place where um, basically a new place that you've never been before with God. And so right. like if, if you're out there and you're feeling stagnant and you're not sure what to do and you're really struggling with just this lifestyle, then stop thinking about that lifestyle as far as like the modesty. Stop worrying about that part, but worry about your walk with God and getting to know God more. And he will fix that for you as long as you are obedient to his word and you, you know, kind of yield to his spirit. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, when it comes to knowing God, we're never going to, we're never going to know him completely. Every day, every day we have a new opportunity to go deeper with him yeah. and deeper with him and deeper with him and know him more and know him more and give more of ourselves to him. It's a, it's a relationship that is never going to grow stagnant as long as we're doing our part, as long as we're, you know, seeking him out. Because the thing is, I mean, you know, we're both married. And if we were to go an entire week without speaking to our spouses, what is that? What is our relationship going to look like? It's not going to look that great. The same thing goes with Christ. You have to make time to make sure you're doing your part to keep that relationship strong. You have to have communication. You have to give yourself. You have to give some of yourself and you have to be able to receive what he's trying to give us. So it's so important, you know, prayer, the, you know, reading the word, if we're not reading the word, we don't, we don't know him. We don't know his character. We have to read the word to know his character. We have to know the word to know what it is that he expects of us. 
And, you know, the deeper that we can go with him, the deeper we can go into the word and the more time we can spend in prayer, it's going to strengthen that relationship. And I feel like, you know, when it comes to one of the things that really kind of helped me to understand, you know, the Bible teaches us to, to be set apart. We're not supposed to be like the world. I mean, we're of the world, but we're supposed to be different. And I feel like people need to also see that we're different. If you're just standing, let's say you go to a restaurant and you don't have an opportunity to speak to someone, but there's somebody in that relationship that has been looking for Christ, has been searching for Christ. How are they going to know if you're a Christian? You don't get a chance to talk. You don't get a chance to walk in and say, hey, I'm a Christian and I serve Jesus Christ. What is it that you can do physically to show someone that you are of God, that you are a child of God? And I feel like when we dress, like everybody knows that apostolic females don't cut their hair. We don't wear makeup. We always wear dresses. You know, it's just one of those things. Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. That is our, that's how people know us. And if people see us and they know we're apostolic, they, they know that we serve God. And I feel like if you were to, you know, someone's coming into a restaurant and they're searching for somebody that's going to just, that's going to be able to connect them to God, tell them something, answer questions. They're going to be looking for people who look different. They don't want to see people who look like them. They want to see people who represent Christ. And that's exactly, I feel why, um, you know, when it comes to our obedience with our dress, you know, we're 80, 20. It's 80% physical for us and 20% mental. It's easy for us to connect to God. It's easy. We're women. We love, we love to be loved, but it's hard to give our bodies. It's hard to give the physical part, especially when you're coming from the world. Mm -hmm. So being able to remain obedient and being able to submit yourself, God's going to honor that tremendously because he knows how hard it is. He knows how fragile we are. He knows how easy it is for us to get insecure because one of the biggest things that we do is we seek validation. We seek validation from everyone around us. We want validation in everything that we do. And one of the, that I think is what leads to the biggest insecurities because we should be looking for validation just through Christ. We shouldn't have to worry about everyone else, but we do. And there's nothing we can do to change that. We are human. We're going to do that. We're going to be searching for validation for the rest of our lives. But if we can just get that validation from Christ, we're not going to care about what other people think because we know that we're right in his eyes. And that's what's the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so encouraged by that. And I would love it if you could just share just some thoughts, encouraging those out there right now who are struggling with their modesty and lifestyle right now. Maybe they just came into the church. Maybe they grew up in the church. Maybe they're 18. Maybe they're 28. I would love if you would just give them some inspiring words. How would you encourage them to continue walking with the Lord in this way? Right. So you know, for anybody who was not born in this like we were, and, you know, they're in the process of finding Christ and there those convictions are falling on them. You know, for me, I think the transition from breaking away from my old life to my new life was probably my hardest struggle. Um, because since then, 
I live in a completely different town. I have completely different friends. I'm in a different church and I've got a completely different job. I don't, my life is literally completely different than it was before finding Jesus. Um, and so that was hard because, you know, I, for so many years, I mean, I was with the sheriff's office for over a decade. You know, it was the same people, same places, same things. And you, we, I mean, not you, but we have to change our environments if we want to change ourselves. We have to change our environments if we want to grow. If you're swimming in a tank with sharks, you're eventually going to get bit. So that's probably one of the biggest things for me. Um, I had to decide. I had to make a decision. This, I can see the life that God wants for me. I can see my identity. I can see all the things that God wants for me. And in order for me to make myself available to that, these things have to go. So for anyone coming into the church, it's not just about changing your, your attire or changing your hair color or not wear makeup anymore. You've got to change everything. And you have, and there's some things that you may not be able to change immediately, but you need to be able to stand firm. You need to be able to stand firm because if you don't, you're going to get ripped right away because it is something that this, we, we fight this no matter how much you love Christ, no matter how much you love this life, how much you love truth, you're still going to have to fight to keep it that way because it's just in our nature that we're going to want to fall away. We're going to have a lazy day. Why do I got to do this? Why do I got to do that? You know, we want to tear down those fences that had been built to protect us. And the thing is, why are you going to tear down a fence if you don't know what it's protecting you from? We don't know what that fence is there for. Leave it up, leave it up, have your boundaries and just stick with it. And that goes for anybody who's been in the church too. The thing is, you know, mine and your testimonies are so much different than someone who's been kept. You know, we were talking about that a minute ago. Mm-hmm. There's no words that I can say to explain to someone what that world is really like. It's not pretty. It's not shiny. It doesn't smell like a bed of roses. It is horrible and it will eat you up. And it just, it's one thing after another, after another, and before you know it, you do not know who you are anymore. It's not worth it. It's not worth it at all. You know, God has given us all the tools that we need to know exactly what it is that he wants from us. And we just have got to stay focused on that. Because right now, this is when it matters the most. The world is hurting. The world is looking for people that are going to show them something different. They've been doing the same things. The same things are not working anymore. Now they're looking for different. And it's our time to own that we are different. We are a peculiar people. And we need to stay that way. Because that's what's going to bring these people, these lost people to the churches. That's what's going to, that's, what's going to save souls. Uh, absolutely. That's just, it's just filling me up with so much hope and excitement when I think about that and, and just hearing your words, it's such a breath of fresh air because we need more encouraging words like that, more, um, I guess, edifying words and, and just putting things into perspective and getting real with us in a loving way, you know? Right. I do want to talk about, you know, the word and, and I want to know what was one scripture? Cause I know for me, when I came in, I, I was the same way. I did not read the Bible. I didn't even touch it until I was in the church. Um, I always had a preconceived idea of what was in it. 
and what it said. And a lot of it was wrong, if not all of it was wrong. And (laughs) um, I remember meditating on Matthew a lot. It blew me away just just because I, I was like, wow, if I seek him first, like he will take care of everything else. And I wanted to know what scripture changed your perspective. I would have to say Revelations 12, 11. And the reason why, you know, that, that scripture tells us that um, he was overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the words of their testimony, that's us. We're a part of that scripture. And, you know, when I first come into church, when I started, when I become so aware of truth and what I was, what my life was supposed to look like versus what it had looked like, I was so ashamed. The enemy was making me feel so ashamed. I wanted to keep my head down all the time because I'm thinking to myself, everybody knows I came from the world. Everybody knows the things that I've done. Everyone knows I'm not like them. And that for me was, it it was almost discouraging. And, you know, God had to really like, I mean, he had to tell me to lift my head up because I'm not that person anymore. And because I'm not that person anymore, that's what that scripture represents to me. It is a part of my testimony and I should not be ashamed of that. I should never be ashamed to tell people the things that I have done or the things that I've experienced because that is a part of my Revelation 12:11. because that's exactly how I'm going to overcome the enemy too because of that testimony. And I was letting the enemy make me feel bad because I wasn't perfect when God's telling me it's your imperfections that I need you, that, that's going to be your strength. So definitely Revelation 12, 11 for me. I love that. That's so good. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. Uh, Stephanie, <laughs> I'm just, I'm so encouraged by you. You just have this just like force when you talk, you're passionate. And I know it's going to just touch a bunch of lives who are listening to this podcast. And I wanted to, I wanted you to just take a minute to share anything that's been on your heart anything at all, whether it's something we talked about, something we missed, just if you could just take a couple of minutes, what has God been putting on your heart that you would like to share with us? So something that's been on my heart tremendously is this isn't about us. And it's just so human nature for us to make everything about us because we think that the world revolves around us and that's not the case. We were designed to glorify God. Everything that we should be doing should be glorifying God. From the moment we wake up, every relationship, everything that we do, everything that our hands touch, we should be glorifying God. And I think that right now, that is the most important thing. We have got to make sure that we are reaching people. Because like I was saying earlier, we, the world is hungry. The world is looking for something to fill these voids. And we know that because we've been there. We know exactly what that was like. And we have got to, if we, if we're not doing what we're supposed to do, if we're not staying in the word, if we're not walking in his spirit, we're going to miss so many opportunities to change people's lives and not for our glory, but for God. I mean, that is to be used of him is the most greatest honor that we could ever have. And if we're walking in his spirit and if every single day we are looking for what is it that, what is my purpose today? What does God need me to do? Who do I need to talk to? Where do I need to plant the seed? Is there a seed I need to go water? 
what do I need to do today? And we have got to be seeking his will daily and not just in the mornings, like literally 24 seven. We have, because with the enemy is going to try to attack us every chance. And if we can just stop thinking about ourselves and just thinking about the kingdom of God and being kingdom minded and knowing that, that, that is our purpose. Okay. Yes. We have to go to work and we have to cook dinner and we have to do these things, but we have got to be looking for a way to glorify him and bring his children home because I feel, I just, I, I, I know we're in the end times and we're running out of time too. And I, I personally don't want to miss anything. I don't want to miss anything. I don't want to get to heaven and find out that I missed opportunities that God had set up for me because I was too worried about myself and mm-hmm. not about his. Plan. Yeah, that's good. Well, Stephanie, where can everyone follow you on social media and connect with you? So I have, um, I, I'm too old for Instagram. I can't figure it out. <laughs> I've tried. It's just not a platform. Um, so I'm basically on Facebook. I love Facebook. Um, and of course my, my name is Stephanie Nicole Crane on Facebook. And I also do have a closed group called happily ever crane. Um, so, and, you know, I mentioned earlier about how, you know, I had horrible skin and I had done all this stuff to my, my skin when part of my testimony is, you know, finding a good skincare regimen. And I found one that was so good that I actually become a distributor for the company. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where I, you know, have that's my VIP group where, you know, I sell the products and, you know, show before and afters and help other women to feel comfortable in their own skin and break away from the makeup and, you know, just love the skin that they're in. And then that's also where I spend most of my time, you know, just trying to connect with people and be in, just letting God use me. You know, I write a lot and, you know, that's, that's my place. That's where I go to whatever God's put on my heart. I know it's got to go in there because somebody needs to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, everybody go check Stephanie out. And thank you for sharing your heart with us, for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate you. And I'm so grateful what God has done and what he is doing in your life. Absolutely. It's been an honor. Thank you so much for having me. If you found this episode inspiring or helpful, would you take a screenshot of it and share it on your Instagram stories? Tagging me at HelloAwesomeLive. I would be so encouraged. Also, please leave a five-star review in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, sharing how God used this to bless you. Don't forget to subscribe so you can tune into future episodes. To learn more about Hello Awesome and shop inspirational products, head to HelloAwesome.live using the promo code HELLO10 for 10% off your next purchase. Until next time, keep your chin up beautiful.